We're in a series about living a meaningful life. When it's all said and done, I want to be able to look back on my life and go, okay, that was meaningful. But more than that, what we're going to talk about today is when we get to heaven, when I get to heaven, when you get to heaven and you stand before God, the question then is, did you live a meaningful life? From God's perspective. And how can we know that we can live a meaningful life from God's perspective? Is that possible? So what I want to talk with you about today is meaningful gifts, giving meaningful gifts to God as a thanks for His grace. It stands to reason that if you give meaningful gifts to God as a thanks for His grace, that means you lived a meaningful life. And so if we can find out what those meaningful gifts are, then we can also live a meaningful life. Anybody here ever received a bad gift? Maybe you gave a bad gift. Anybody done that? I know I have. You can see it on their face immediately, right? Uh, There are a few different types of bad gifts. Uh, There's what I call meaningfully meaningless gifts. Anybody ever received one of those? Where the person that gave it to you was like, oh, this is so meaningful. (laughs) And you're like, why? (laughs) It was something that they connected with. Something maybe that they worked really hard to provide for you. Something that, that they couldn't wait to give you and it was so meaningful to them. Maybe it had some sentimental value to it. You know, it belonged to somebody. Maybe it was a, you know, a postage stamp collector and they'd collected stamps all their life and they're like, here's my stamps, I'm going to die. And you're like, what am I going to do with all these stamps? They're all like one cent stamps. I'm going to put these on letters No, it's just these are collectibles. No, it doesn't mean anything to me. Or your grandmother gives you a watch that doesn't even work, and it belonged to great-great-grandfather, and you're like, why? And it sits in your drawer for all these years, and it was a meaningless, meaningful gift. There's also uh, re-gifting. You know, this happens a lot in May, April, April, May, and June, doesn't it? You know, with the weddings, you get something for your wedding, and then you re-gift it to somebody else. Have you guys done that, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a re-gifting thing. You didn't work for it. You didn't pay for it. It was a convenient gift, right? Then there's the, well, I did something gift. You ever given one of those? I did something. Well, I, at least I thought of you. It's the thought that counts. I was meandering through Walmart, and I thought, well, at least I need to do something. They need something to unwrap, so buy some pepper and give them some pepper or something, anything, just so they can unwrap it. I did something. At least I thought of you. And then there's the it's for you, for me gift. Guys, we do this one a lot, don't we? Here, honey, you can wear this in your sleep. For me, but and then there's <laughs> y'all are getting it. Y'all a little bit slow this morning. Come on. Nothing says I love you like it's a gift for you, for me gift, right? <laughs> then there's a more seriously, more deranged kind of gift that comes, you know, from the narcissistic side of us and. And it's the I control you gift, right? 
that gift communicates control. It communicates expectations. I gave this to you and so that you know that I'm bigger than you and you owe me. It's this message that comes with it. And it's a, it's a big gift. It's a nice gift that you, you, you can't complain about it because it's so wonderful of a gift because it was so generous. But it also is big enough that if they truly loved you and were giving it to you out of love, that they would have consulted you to see if this is the right gift for you and if this is exactly what you want. And so they really wanted to communicate control and, and, and that's why they gave it to you. So there's, there's all of these different kinds of bad gifts that we can give to each other. And, and so here's where we're going today with this. What kind of gifts are you presenting to God and what kind of gifts are you planning to present to God when you stand before Him in eternity? The Scripture indicates that we can't take anything with us, right? But it also indicates that we can send things on ahead of us. That's pretty cool. So what are the things that we can send on ahead of us? Somehow, God has an organization keeping track of your account in heaven that you can send stuff that way. You can make as many deposits along the way as you want, and you can do all kinds of deposits today. With what you have, you can do it right now even. And here's, here's, uh, here's what you need to know. God's heavenly currency is love. That's pretty cool to think about, isn't it? It's not the dollar. Whew, thank the Lord for that. It's not fuel or oil. It's, not, it's love. The work you do will fill your heavenly account with love. Now, imagine if we could figure out how to do that on earth. That would change our whole lives. That would change our whole communities. It would change everything if, we, if love was suddenly the currency that we, that we give and receive. That would be awesome, isn't it? Well, that's the system that God has in place right now. And He says, all right, you may not be able to see all of it here, but you can send it over there. And that's what's going to be stored up in heaven. You just won't get all the benefits of it right here. So, all right, let's, let's talk about real quickly the, the two judgments that's going to take place that, you know, when we stand before God and this is going to take place. First, there's what's called the great white throne judgment. You ever heard of the great white throne judgment? This is for those who say, you know what, I don't want to have anything with God, to do with God. I'm not going to accept Christ as my Savior. This judgment is for them. Let me read about it, Revelation chapter 20. I saw a great white throne, and the one enthroned, nothing could stand before or against the presence. Nothing in heaven, nothing on earth. All right, so he's, he's, he's giving us this, uh, this picture of this great presence, the presence of God. He's like, all right, nothing could stand before it. It was domineering. It was awesome. And then, it, then I saw all the dead, great and small, standing there before the throne, and the books were open. Then another book was opened, the book of life. The dead were judged by what was written in the books by the way they had lived. Sea released its dead, death and hell turned in their dead. Each man and woman was judged by, by the way he or she had lived. Then death and hell were hurled into lake fire. What is he saying? He's saying, all right, those who don't accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, this is where they're going to be judged. I don't want to show up for that judgment. 
So that's your choice. That's not God's choice. God already chose that you don't have to do this, but it's up to you as to whether or not you do. All right? So it's simple. Accept a relationship with God. Get to know who He is, what He likes, and begin to accommodate for a relationship with Him. It's not that difficult. Christ paid the price for this. It's not rocket science, all right? It's not difficult. Just accept Him into your life. Get to know who He is, who He is, what He likes, and what He doesn't like, and begin to accommodate for Him. That's not hard, is it? It is difficult <laughs> to live that life, but you've got you've to understand that there's grace in it and there's mercy in it, and you can walk with Him in this. All right, the judgment seat of Christ is the other judgment. And this is for those of us who have received Christ as our Savior. This is where you and I are going to be judged. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 talks about this. Uh, Paul wrote, he said, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, all of us who, who believe in Christ, so that each of us may receive what is due us for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. All right, so this judgment is going to be for reward. What is he saying? So that we may receive. That's reward, isn't it? Everybody say reward. We like reward, don't we? All right, so today we're talking about how to prepare you for that day. I don't know about you, but I want to be prepared for that day. That you would give thanks for His grace. That you would give meaningful gifts to Him on that day and not just show up empty-handed. You ever shown up to a party empty-handed and everybody else is walking in with gifts? I don't want to be that, and I don't want you to be that. All relate, church, we want to get there and we want to go, okay, God, we brought gifts. We learned how to bring gifts to you, right? Thank you for your grace. So here's a question. Do you know if you're ready for that moment? Are you ready for that moment? And you can be ready for that moment. So let's work on it a little bit. Think of a person in your life that you really want to please for their birthday. Somebody that you would really love to just give them the right gift, right? That feels good when you do that. But as their birthday approaches, if you haven't given them the right gift, are you dreading their birthday? I am. I'd really like them to receive the right gift, but I don't know what to give them, and I didn't get the right gift, especially as it gets closer. It's like, oh, no. Okay, search Amazon for tomorrow delivery, right? Or one-day delivery or same-day delivery. And, and, and we, we get freaked out because we, we're not ready for it. But how good does it feel when you've got that person and you want to give them a gift and you've got the right gift and you're like, all right, I can't wait for that day to come. It's an awesome feeling. It's an awesome experience. And, and knowing that you've got that perfect gift just, just lights you up inside, right? I remember early in our marriage with uh, Angela at the, the local grocery store, we were walking through it, and, and there was a beautiful display of dishes on the end cap, and, and as we walked by, it caught her attention, and she stopped, and she just started looking at these dishes, and she was like, oh, these are pretty. Well, I thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do for her birthday. It's about nine months away. I'm going to work on it to try to store up all of these dishes, as many as I can, for the next nine months. 
So every time I had a few extra dollars, I'd stop by there on my way home from work, and I'd pick up another place setting or another dish, a gravy bowl or whatever it was. And I had so much fun storing these out in the shed because the Lord knows she's never going to go to the shed. So they were stored in the shed, they were wrapped up, and they were protected in boxes, and, and I couldn't wait for her birthday. I was so excited because I wanted to give her all of this. And, and when she opened it, it was just awesome to see her face. And then for her to realize how long it took for me to store this up in the shed when I told her the story, she was like, wow, that is awesome. It was just such a wonderful thing. And here's the question that we've got to ask ourselves. Are we doing something like that for God? Do we appreciate who He is and what He's done in our lives enough that we will store up treasure for us to be able to present to Him as a thanks for His grace? You see, when you stand before God, somehow your entire life is going to be there with you. The balance of your love account is going to be on display. And the beauty of that moment is All of your sin is washed away. That's a beautiful thought. The selfishness that you've lived in this life is going to be burned away. Aren't you grateful for that? The sin you've ever committed, it's like, hey, just easily burned up because the fiery eyes of God will look across your life and all of your sin, all of your selfish things, all of your bad stuff, everything that you don't want anybody to know that you ever did, that's straw. (laughs) It's awesome. It's just going to be burned up. Every time you hurt someone, every time you ruined a relationship, every time you acted or reacted wrong, all of that's going to be burned up. And it's going to be gone forever. That's awesome to think about, isn't it? But here's what's also going to be burned up. Anything that wasn't done in love. Every good deed. Every meaningfully meaningless gift you gave, right? The things you gave God that mattered to you but didn't matter to Him. And here's the key. The only reason anything wouldn't matter to God is if it wasn't done in love. That's the only reason. Which means it opens the field up to anything. What did Jesus say? He said, if you give a cup of water in my name to somebody who's thirsty, if you do that in love for me, what's going to happen? They're going to drink it and they're going to be loved. And he says, I'm going to notice it. And that's storing up riches in heaven for him. Meaningfully meaningless gifts can become meaningful if they're done in love. Uh, the re-gifts, any kind of re-gifting that you did, things that you did for him and others without making any kind of sacrifice for yourself, that's going to get burned up. The I did something gifts. Hey, God, I showed up to church. Come on, I did something. (laughs) Hey, I threw five bucks in the, in the, in the, in the, or a hundred dollars or a thousand dollars in the offering bag. I just did it. I, I did something. But if you didn't do it in love, it didn't matter how much you gave. The it's for you, it's for me gifts. The it's for you, for me gifts. I remember we had a, a young man started attending the church one time. And, and um, he came because he'd heard at work that you could do some networking in the church and get some business that way. It happens. Not here, not here. <laughs> and 
one day he came up to me and he said, hey, I've also heard that if I give like $20 in the offering today, that God's going to multiply that by $100, 100 times. Like, okay, who's telling you this stuff? <laughs> what, what preacher are you listening to, you know? And I was like, yeah, sure, give $1,000. It'll be... <laughs> God, here's my tithe. Here's my investment. Give it back to me. You know, that it's for you, for me gifts. Those are going to get burned up. The I control you God gifts. I don't know if you know this. I think you do. Your best doesn't come close to God's worst, right? We can't control him. You give him a million dollars today, doesn't matter. If you don't do it in love, you've missed the mark. Any and all gifts not done in love are going to be burned away. With all your sin and with all your shame, that's the beauty of it, right? Right? But how much more beautiful would it be for something to be left and you to say, God, thank you. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for restoring my soul. Thank you that all of my sin and shame is washed away. Thank you. The Apostle Paul wrote this. <clears throat> By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. He's talking about co-workers, co-laborers in the kingdom. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. And then he says, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is. Because the day, capital D, day, that's the day of judgment that we're talking about. The day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire and the fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even though only is one escaping through the flames. I don't want to just barely slide in sideways to heaven, barely escaping the flames. The question for the rest of your life is, do I love God? Do I love him? And Jesus said, if you love me, this is what you'll do. You'll live for me. You'll love the people around you. You'll take care of the people around you. You won't be demanding of your own way. You won't be pushing and shoving your way through this life. You're going to find a way to take care of and love the people around you because you love me. So when you and I personally stand before God and his fiery eyes burn away everything in our lives, what's going to be left? When you stand before him and what's going to be left? 
I know some people that are so excited they can't wait to get to heaven because like me storing up those dishes in the shed, they've been storing up treasures in heaven and they know, they just know, I'm going to get there and I'm going to be able to present something to God because of what I'm doing with my life. I'm loving the people around me. I'm doing stuff that nobody knows that I'm even doing and only God is getting the credit for these things. And, and I, I know that I'm loving the people around me. I'm, I'm restoring relationships. I'm doing what I can to love the people in my life and I'm, I'm giving people cups so water in the name of Christ, right? I know that what I'm doing is going to be able to be there because it's love. Jesus said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, let me say this. If heaven is what heaven is supposed to be from what Scripture says, streets of gold and, and, and gates of pearl, all the food we can eat, right? Food and, and glory and honor and a home that God Himself has built for you. Why would we need treasure in heaven? Would we need it? What's the treasure for? Thanks for His grace. It's for Him. Presenting it to Him. Could it be that the treasure Jesus talked about storing in heaven is for you to present to Him as a thanks for His grace? So here's a question. What could you possibly do now that would say thanks to God? Well, the Apostle Peter wrote a letter to many believers in the churches that were experiencing persecution for loving God. And he wrote this letter to these people that were, I mean, you understand, they were being beaten and tortured and, and put in prison. And he wrote this letter to them and he says, what a God we have and how fortunate we are to have him. This father of our master Jesus, because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and everything to live for. Oh, come on. We've been given a brand new life and have everything to live for. As a believer in Christ, that's what we've got, including, including a future in heaven. The day, capital D, day again, there it is, is coming when you'll have it all. Life healed and whole. Boy, how many want that? I know how great this makes you feel, even though you've put it, even though you have to put up with every kind of aggravation in the meantime, pure gold put in the fire comes out of it proved pure. Genuine faith put through this suffering comes out proved genuine. When Jesus wraps this all up, it's your faith, not your gold, that God will have on display as evidence of his victory. You never saw him, yet you loved him. You still don't see him, yet you trust him. With laughter and singing. Because you kept on believing, you'll get what you're looking forward to. Total salvation. That's awesome. That's awesome. King James Version puts it this way, verse 7, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, 
though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearance of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying all of the trials of your faith, these people were being persecuted, all of that because you love God, even though you don't see him right now, you're hurting right now, even though you're going through all of this right now, all of that is being stored up for the glory and honor of God. It's awesome. A thanks for his grace. NIV says that all you do for him in love will be presented to him on that day as praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. He said this in verses 8 and 9, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy for you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So what's going to matter before you stand, when you stand before him? What's going to matter? Let's just talk about that just for a couple of minutes. What could you possibly do here to store up that treasure that will be presented as a thanks for his grace? Well, one, we've talked about it, that everything be done in love. Everything be done in love. Matthew chapter 25, you read that. If you do this for me in my name, if you give a cup of water in my name, if you go visit somebody in prison, if you, if you go and, and help somebody that's sick, you've done it for me. If you do that in love, you've done it for me, and that I'm going to store up in heaven for you. It's awesome. But done in love, you have to learn how to truly love. Love doesn't always look like love, does it? I get accused of not being a loving person a lot. And I get accused that of that by people who haven't done the work to know what true love looks like. Did you know that these same people will also accuse God of not being a loving God? So I'm good to be in that court, right? You see, true love never condones destructive behavior. God will never jump on board with anything that's going to destroy your life. And neither will I. That's the way it should be. Some of you agree with that. True love never whitewashes sin. Why? Because it destroys us. True love never gets on board with the wrong path in life. Listen, I'll never join you down a path that is gonna, that's destructive. I won't. Listen, I'm very easy to get along with, but if you're going to go down a path that is not healthy or strong and good for you, I'm out. And I'll take a hard stand. And I will stand there until you find your way back, and I'll be there. I promise you. But that's love. That's love. I had a pastor at a large church tell me, John, the only way that you're going to have a large church is that if you stop preaching strict messages and all the hard stuff. Wow. I don't believe that. I don't care if I ever have a large church. 
Like preaching and communicating the truth, that's love. If my job as your pastor is to help prepare people to meet God face to face, is it love to withhold the information you need to prepare for that moment? That's not love, is it? 1 Corinthians 13, James David, would you come? <clears throat> says, as you could speak with the language of the most beautiful, the most beautiful languages of angels. You could speak eloquently, just beautiful language. But if you don't love, you're nothing more than a resounding gong or a clanging symbol. You know how annoying that is? says you can prophesy, you can fathom all mysteries and knowledge and speak all of this, but not love. It also says that you could have the faith to move a mountain from here to here and do that without love and absolutely accomplish nothing in the kingdom of God. That God is not impressed that you could do that. God says, whatever you do in love is going to last. Love never fails. You can give everything you own to the poor and not do it in love. And not done anything. When it comes to storing up treasure in God's kingdom, you've not done a thing. And then he goes on to say, love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. That's love. That's love. Rejoices with the truth. Doesn't hide it. Rejoices with it. Everything you do in love is going to be offered up as an offering to say, Father, thank you for what you did. Jesus, thank you for your sacrifice. That's huge. Secondly, how we reach and raise people. When you stand before Christ, you will have the opportunity to say, this is how many people I shared other, with others about you. That's awesome. When you share Christ with others, that's going to be there and it's not going to burn up unless you didn't do it in love. Scripture says, how can they call on the one in whom they've not believed and how can they hear or believe in the one in whom they've not heard and how can they hear without someone to preach? How can they preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. When you take Christ to others, you're taking them with the good news, right? Another thing that won't be burned up is how you serve in His kingdom. Obviously, notwithstanding, it's got to be done in love, right? I look back through the years and I think about all the people that have, I've seen serving God. I think of an old friend named Troy. He was at the church in Oklahoma City, a decorated war hero. He and his troop were ambushed, and this is a true story. He single-handedly, Rambo-style, shot his way out of that place and, and saved so many of his troops' lives. 
And that man, every Sunday, he would show up to church early, make sure the air conditioners were on, make sure the doors were unlocked, put the flags up. He'd be there, so excited, ready to serve God. And I look around this room today and I see people who are doing the same kind of things week after week. You don't know they're doing it. Watering plants, calling each other, making food for each other, doing stuff behind the scenes that nobody knows about, taking care of the nursery. How many years Colette has been in the nursery missing our church services? Oh, she just loves those babies. All of our nursery workers and kids work. It's just awesome. So many things behind the scenes. How you serve, how you serve, how you grow God's kingdom. I could go on and on. Our gifts are given to help to us to improve and build up and raise up the church. That's why our gifts are given. You see that? Try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. Why? Because that's storing up your treasure that's going to be a thanks for His grace. Listen, God is giving you opportunities every day of your life. Every moment of every day, there's an opportunity for you to store up something so that when you stand before Him, you've got something there of thanks for His grace. Would you bow your heads? say, John, well, I'm older. I don't have much time left. Does that really matter? No. Start now. Well, John, I'm younger. I got plenty of time left. Does that really matter? Start now. It may not seem like it's going to really matter that much because really all we want to do is get to heaven. But oh my goodness, when you get there, boy, will you be glad that you did, that you stored up that treasure. You'll be so glad. What can you do today? Maybe you're here today and you haven't accepted that relationship with Christ into your life. Right where you are, just begin to talk to Him. What does it look like? Like I said earlier, God, I want you to come into my life. I invite you into my life. Wash me, cleanse me. Thank you for your forgiveness. I want to get to know who you are and what you like and what you don't like. I invite you to come in and I want to accommodate for this relationship with you for the rest of my life. God, I want to live my life for the rest of this life. I want to live it for you. And I want to store up for you a thanks for your grace. Thank you. Thank you for saving me. I want you to just sit there for a moment and talk to him.
Maybe there's something that God has been asking you to do. And I would say to you, what is the last thing you knew you know that he wanted you to do? And have you done it yet? To get direction, to move forward, God always waits until you finish the last thing he said to do. What was that? God, today we choose to be people that want to please you. You love us so much. You care about us so much. And so we present ourselves to you as living sacrifices. We present our gifts and our talents and our abilities and everything that we have to you. Help us. In Jesus' name. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, maybe today you accepted Christ into your life. I just want to give you an opportunity to say, yeah, John, that was me. Just right where you're at, I want you to look up at me until my eyes catch yours. You accepted Christ into your life today. Just do that right now. Look up at my eyes until my eyes catch yours. That was you, all right?